And now our passage for today. Do I have another volunteer who'd like to come and read this one? Thank you, Kim. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. Altogether, all that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why the Spirit known to you. The good news of Christ. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks, Kip. Um, Gordy. Just pray for you. <laughs> Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence here with us this morning. Thank you for Gordy. We just celebrate who you have made him to be. And on the eve of his, should I say the number, his birthday. Sure. <laughs> his 65th birthday um yeah lord we just thank you so much for his life and for his faithfulness and thank you for your faithfulness to us may we have open hearts to hear what you have to say to us today amen thank you karen And thank you, Kims, for that wonderful worship. And good morning. Good to see you all here today. This is Trinity Sunday. And it's kind of the launch of ordinary time today is is Trinity Sunday. And um, the idea in the story is the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost, which we celebrated last Sunday, the birthday of the church, where all of a sudden all the walls came down and people from every nation and tribe and tongue heard the great works of God in their own language. And it was cheating a bit. I think most of them were Jews that were expats that had come, but it was a start, right? It was a start of those barriers coming down. And there's so much about Pentecost, and there's so much about ordinary time, and about the Trinity that is about breaking down walls, about breaking down barriers. And as we read in Psalm, Psalm 8, finding our humanity that transcends all our differences. Because Adam's actions in the garden were the dehumanization of ourselves. But Christ came to make us human again. He called himself the son of the human one, the, the son of man, which meant son of the human. Um, he talked about his humanity way more than his deity. Of course, he was God, embodied, but it, 
There was something about his humanity that was just so sacred and holy and important. And so he's called us as a church. This is our mission. This is my 10-minute little devotion here. He's called us as a church. Our mission is to work hard at humanizing, at becoming human again and humanizing the other and to even work hard at humanizing our enemies. To find, you, you, you know the old saying, right? If you hate your enemy, you become like them. But if you work hard at loving your enemy, you find their humanity and humanize them. Because we tend to dehumanize our enemies out of our own dehumanization. So in Psalm 8, it talks about height, weight, and uh, height, weight, and warmth. What is humanity that you're mindful for? You made them a little lower than the angels, but now you crown them with glory and honor. That's not just what God has done. That's actually a need that we have as human beings. We need that glory. That's not wrong. What's wrong is how we sometimes go about it. But we were made for glory. And you see that all through the New Testament and in these readings from John that we just read from. Jesus talks about us sharing the glory of the Father. A being a Trinitarian community. That's our mission. But we're also created for weight. Now, I've been eating a lot this weekend. And I'm not talking about that. But weight is rulership. God made us to rule. You know, our son's top on this list of birthday requests when he was a kid was, I want to rule the world. And we thought, oh my gosh, what are we raising? But now we realize that was actually coming out of his heart. God created us to rule. But the way that God rules is by serving. Serving that he came and washed our feet, right? That's true rulership. But we were made for influence and rulership and weight. And we want to make a mark. We want, we want the world to be different and better and more like God and more beautiful through the unique expression that we are with our, you know, patterned vans or whoever we are, right? To, 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 to be part of God's story to make this world right again. That's rulership. And then finally, we're made for warmth. And maybe I should have put that first. But it says, what is humanity that you are mindful of us, that you care for us? We were made for love. We were made to be the beloved and to receive that and to give that away, to show others that they're the beloved. So there's my sermon. So let me give you a little review of our, of our year. Um, and I think it's quite appropriate that we ended up doing this. Uh, usually, uh, and by the way, hello to everybody on Zoom. And you were all singing so good today. Man, when, when we were singing in a cappella there, it just felt like this building was full. Not half full like it is today, because the other half are out there. But, but we heard you all. It was so beautiful. And the Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. It was just like the Holy Spirit was saying, thank you, thank you, I'm here. I'm with you. We're that 
community of the Spirit. And so in, in uh, reviewing our year as a Trinitarian com community, we, when we look back at 2021, we, re we remember that it was a year of grief and loss, and it was a unique kind of grief and loss. It was the kind of grief and loss that was disorienting. It was, it was prolonged, uh, prolonged hope. You know, prolong that sense of waiting that, that, you know, when the pandemic hit, there was kind of this original, oh, this won't be long, we'll get through this. But then it just seemed like there was always these setbacks and delays and more Omicrons and waves, right? And it just seemed like there, we stutter started so many times. And then we experienced our own griefs and losses in our community. People lost loved ones. Nathan and Kate lost a baby. We discovered 215 missing children in Kamloops. And there was this wave of grief that swept across our land. And so our theme in, in 2021 was about embodiment. And we realized that part of embodiment is embracing grief. That God is not a God, as the psalmist said, who despises the affliction of the affliction or ignores it. But actually, God is afflicted with us. God suffers with us. And so embodiment, we've, been, we've just been living into the importance of embracing grief and loss as part of being human. And that, that's where God is. God is not where we think we should be. God is where we are actually now. And learning to do that. That's why we stop and light that candle and we just pay attention because so often we're scattered and we're uncentered and we're we're all over the place and we just need to come home and realize that's where God is with us and so as an expression of that we actually held a lament worship service you know lament is is part of worship in over half the psalms grief rage pain disorientation confusion as the psalmist and articulate their pain. And so we had a very profound service in the end of November where we just came and named our grief together in the presence of God. And then we did it again, actually, on Ash Wednesday, didn't we? And I think we're just going to incorporate that into the, the rhythms of our church and our life together. And I think that this grief and loss is as Paul said in, in Thessalonians, it's not without hope. We grieve in hope. And hope is not, well, I hope so. Hope is an actual reality. We're just waiting for it. That's all. Just isn't here yet. Right? So we grieve in hope. And I think one of the little, little kind of drops of hope that God gave us was on Remembrance Day, November 11th, we learned that our own dear St. Francis, Francis Carnac, uh, received an invitation to be part of the indigenous delegation to Rome. And that in the presence of the Pope, she heard an official apology. And that we just get to be a part of that story of reconciliation. You see, we're part of the story where God's making everything all right. We've been quoting the Brazilian writer a lot lately, lately that everything will be all right in the end. That wasn't John Lennon. It's a Brazilian writer, actually comes actually from some indigenous wisdom. 
everything will be all right in the end. And if it's not all right, it's not the end. The story isn't finished. We're still in that story. And that isn't some trite, oh, it's all going to be all right. It's the Romans 8 kind of it's going to be all right, where there's suffering and embracing, and the whole earth is going through labor pains. Labor pains right now. And that labor pains is, is expressing itself in all kinds of things that cause grief and loss. But yet that whole passage in Romans 8 is about the hope of, the, of a new heaven and a new earth. Not where we go somewhere. We're not going somewhere. But heaven and earth are going to kiss and come together and be married. That's the end of the story. So Jesus promised a blessedness for those who mourn. And we've begun, we've begun to see little drops of that. And I think another little seed of hope that came for us was kind of near the end of the last year and beginning of this year. For the first time in our church's history since we began, Easter Sunday, 1987, and I want to talk about that in a minute some more, but since the time we began in 1987, is it 87? Am I getting that? No, 89, sorry, a little ahead of myself. 1989, uh, over here at Hastings Community Center, thanks to the hard work by Matt Good, we, set, we signed our first three-year lease on any building we've ever been in. <laughs> and Matt, you were just such a champion, just so grateful, not, not just for your skill and hard work, but just the heart that you brought into that. Such a blessing to us. And, you know, our dream is to be a presence, a loving presence. That's our vision, that we want to be a loving presence in this neighborhood, in this community, and in our city, with clusters of light and care scattering all over the lower mainland. That's our dream. And it's starting to happen, and just having that sense of stability here has been such a blessing. Well, let's review some more. What else do we have here? Oh, yeah, I just talked about that. So looking ahead into this year, and of course we're halfway through this year already, so some of it's already looking back, uh, but our theme is reconnecting and regathering because we've begun to be able to uh, meet in, in person again, and people are at various uh, levels of comfortability in being able to come together. And so we still have the Zoom option. We will continue to provide as much as possible a hybrid option for our church community to gather. But for those who, who need this option for various reasons, uh, just maybe their sense of concern for their own safety, we'll, we'll continue to do that. But we're just sensing it's time to begin to regather and camp. Woo! Bam! I mean, that was just... It was like a dream. Oh, you know, just being together again and uh, in, the, in the beautiful creation of the Sunshine Coast and having our talent show and our rave, the dogs. Oh, my gosh. Wasn't that amazing? I'm still savoring that. Still savoring that. Just, and I think, you know, you go through things and, and you learn to appreciate what, you've, what you have when you're without them. And when we went through this famine of connection, you know, to the isolation we all had to deal with, and the, 
the joy of being able to come back together. And so we want to begin to regather, but we want to do it in a discerning way. And our text today was about the Spirit leading us. And so we want, and churches across the world are experiencing this. They're, they're recognizing as they begin to gather again that things are different. And so the discernment is, is how can we gather in a way that we share life together? Not just meetings, but life. You know, we, we, we've discerned that a lot of energy and time goes into putting on a production and running a machine. And then we don't have time and energy and space and margin to connect. So how can we be sensitive? That's one of the things behind Simple Church is why we're, we're, we're creating space that way. Because relationships take time. Now, I believe in gathering and sharing scripture and singing worship like we've done. I value that. I think that container is really important and will continue to be. But we want to find creative ways to create, to, to create space and margin for connection and regathering. We want to cultivate a contemplative culture. and I, I, I could elaborate on this forever, but really it's this, that rather than us running around trying to do God's work, it's developing the capacity to notice and to see what God is already doing and to work with him. You know, this community garden, there, there, there's fresh sprouts of life and Elaine is starting to connect with them and they're looking at developing the outside and our little Montessori over here, the, the, the connections of... Kathleen and I have through our daughter and through I get to be guitar man soon again and she's been doing jolly phonics and just so many families and there's a sense of presence in this neighborhood and just even as we do our little events today in the building it's just about how can we see what God is doing and work with God and we want to cultivate clusters of care and I'm you know, again, what, what's God doing? I get uh, emails from City Hall. What are you as a church doing to make sure if you have another heat dome that people aren't caught, isolated? And, or if there's, a, if there's a, 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 an earthquake or a severe weather, how, how are you taking care of each other in your neighborhoods, right? Good question, Jesus. Oh, that's City Hall. Okay. Um, so we're working on that. And we will be working on that with you. Uh, fourthly, a, leadership, a plan for leadership transition. Now, as was inferred, I, you know, I'm on the eve of number 65. And um, I, I'm, I'm amazed at, you know, it's kind of been a, a, a celebration weekend. I'm a little amazed at the capacity of our church to lie. Um, <laughs> That's quite a spiritual gift we have. <laughs> the art of deception. Um, but um, I, Kathleen and I have, have this passion to be part of a movement of recovering a culture of elders in, in, our, in, our, in our culture, our Western culture. We, other cultures have this. So what I'd like to do over the next few years in working with our leadership team 
And we want to present a plan, hopefully by September, where I would move out of being lead pastor, but my desire would still be to be uh, an elder at large. Not a large elder, but an elder at large. <laughs> Kathleen Lake. Yes, right. And... Um, and <laughs> And, uh, and so spiritual direction and the contemplative uh, is something that I have a passion to develop and to grow in. So we'd like to present a, maybe a timeline in September. So be praying for that. And we'll be, again, uh, discerning that together as a community. And a church without walls. That's the last thing I'm going to say. I'm going to have Nathan come up here in a minute. But with, I, I think that, as a leadership team, we're working through uh, what this means if, if everybody matters to God. You know, when the, when the early church first struggled with the Gentiles becoming part of the people of God, which was traditionally Jewish, nobody had any problem with embracing the Gentiles. You're welcome, welcome, welcome. You just have to become a Jew, that's all. And we'll welcome you. Right, and um, all of a sudden, they realized the Holy Spirit began to do things where they realized, well, maybe you don't have to become a Jew. Maybe you can still be in the people of God as a Gentile. And so that has carried on through church history. You know, First Nations for the longest time felt they had to become white people, white culture, give up their culture in order to be part of the people of God. And I think that across denominations today, the issue is the LGBTQIA plus community. And what we're learning in science, what we're learning through listening to stories like Sunny's beautiful courage and sharing her story at camp, is that it's so important to hear stories and hear and watch and notice for how the Holy Spirit is at work. And what is God saying? And so it's a time where we're going to differ on this, just like the early church did, on what inclusion looks like in the church. You know, I think specifically in this day and age, it's, it's, about, it's about marriage. I think that's where a lot of the conflict is. So we're going to have to allow room for difference on that. I've been in this so long that the greatest minds and the greatest denominations in our world today haven't resolved this. So maybe God's giving this to us as an opportunity to grow, to love well. And isn't that what the local church is? The local church is an opportunity to embrace those, embrace the other, to be in the same family, to see our common humanity in Christ, and to love one another, even if we don't agree. So I think this is really on the horizon. I want to read this. Uh, you know, I think Zechariah was written for VEV. I've been reading Zechariah this week. What a prophet. He was a prophet to a people who thought they were pretty small, didn't think they had much influence. And this verse just blew me away this week as I was reading. Zechariah is prophesying a vision he saw. He said, while the angel who was speaking to me was leaving, another angel came to meet him and said to him, run, tell that young man, that's me, he's talking to me, the young man, Jerusalem will be a city without walls because of the great number of people and animals in it. See those dogs, they belong. And I myself will be a wall of fire around it, declares the Lord, and I will be its glory within. 
Isn't that amazing? Do you know what the first uh, kind of subtext for Vancouver Eastside Vineyard was back in 1989 at Hastings Community Center? They had it on their bulletin. Kathleen knows. Church without walls. That's what we were called to be. That was the vision of Joe and Charmaine, those hippies from the Jesus movement. That time when people weren't welcome because they smelled funny and they had long hair and they had sandals on and they didn't get dressed up and put a suit and tie. But God said, I want them. And God brought them in in waves. And this hippie couple, they shaved their head, you know, got a haircut. Well, Joe did. I don't know if Char did. And, you know, dressed decently and started the vineyard. But that was their vision and their dream was to be a church without walls. And, you know, we're, we don't feel safe if, there's no, if there isn't walls. But God says, I'll be the wall. I'll be the wall of fire around you. I'll protect you. Whew. I didn't think this pastoral report was going to be a sermon. Anyway, grace and peace. Yeah. <laughs>